Kane is in the building. The uh, in the coming back that that uh, rejoin music there, Ryan. I like that. You know, you got you always have to have a little Dwayne Johnson. It's weird saying Dwayne Johnson. He's the rock. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Like my kids don't know who Dwayne Johnson is. It well, doesn't no- matter what you think. <laughs> I love that. He's the Jumanji guy. That's how they they know him. He's <clears throat> the Jumanji guy. Oh man. Ballers, though. Great rejoin because it leads us right into our next guest. Um, A lot has happened in the NFL, obviously. Listen, a lot happens in the NFL every single week. But this week in particular, particular this last week, um, has been a week of ebbs and flows and ups and downs for um, for different players, different personalities, um, for different teams, for different um, for a lot of different fan bases um, and for a lot of different players. And so we wanted to reach out and I appreciate Ryan Roman, you guys reaching out to uh, someone who is right there in the thick of these things has been for uh, a couple decades now. Uh, Peter Schaefer, who is lives right here in Denver, NFL agent, has worked with so many different superstars and, and quite a few uh, that have played right here in Denver or are still a part and embedded in the Denver market. Peter, thank you for joining us tonight. Welcome to the fan cave. We appreciate you. Oh, appreciate you guys having me on. I should have told Roman that I don't like the ballers uh, intro. I wanted more Pearl Jam. Oh, <laughs> that's right up Tony's alley. We love Pearl Jam too. Well, right. Hey, Next time. We, well, yeah, song, we'll have we, you on more and we'll just, we'll make it official. I'm we'll going to go do. ahead and skip the first uh, NFL <laughs> player question. And then what song would you have picked, Peter? Well, shoot, the, the, most of the Pearl Jam songs are worthy of pl- all, play at all times. From the, really something bad. from the 10 album, I would assume. Yes, absolutely. Alive, black, whatever you want to go with. Yeah, see, we did that last week, Peter, with Alive, with um, kind of a yeah, an homage to Vic Fangio that he was still <laughs> you know alive. So we did work in some Pearl Jam there with him, but we didn't call, we didn't, we don't have you on uh, to talk Pearl Jam, although we could for for some time. Nineties uh, grunge, alt rock music there, we could do that. But um, it's been, like I said in the intro, it's been quite a week for um, not only some players but some franchises, uh, uh, some fan bases, uh, you know. Talk to us a little bit about kind of, uh, I think Roman set this up perfectly. And I, I don't want to yeah. steal your thunder. No, 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 please. Go I, ahead. Peter, it's just, you know, like I like I text you, we're, you know, the impact of some players, somebody like Henry Ruggs, who, you know, this was just a life-changing event. And you, as a player representative and agent, how you approach something like this happening, not only while they're at the facility and they're going through their daily routines or courses, but what happens when they leave? Like, how do you prepare and help these athletes stay on course, stay on track, so they don't have an incident, be it accidental or not? There was a choice that was made for like well, I, I don't know. I, I like to use the word decision. So what we try to do, Roman, is it's a constant process. It's no different. You know, I've got a 17-year-old son, and you, you worry about him when he goes to college, and you're not there. You can't make decisions from 24 hours a day. So. The two things you try to do is teach him how to make good decisions and then remind him, if, you know, before he goes out at night, just make good decisions. And sure. so really, life comes down to decisions. And, you know, what, what, you know, 
simple decisions like do I have chicken or steak tonight or, you know, am I vegetarian or uh, do I like meat to more complex decisions. Do I live in Denver? Do I live in California? To even more complex decisions. Do I go out? Chances are if you don't go out till 3 o'clock in the morning, you're not going to um, be driving at 3 o'clock in the morning. So that decision process started way before 3 a.m. And those are the situations in, with, with Henry Ruggs that are just, they're just no winners. They're just dreadful situations. I had one with the Cowboys a few years ago. And, you know, my first concern after it happens is the mental well-being of the, of the young man. And obviously you, you have tremendous empathy and, it's tragic for the, the young lady's family. There are no winners, but um, it's just it's a horrible situation. And everybody's got to be involved in educating the players to make good decisions, not just the agents, the teams, coaches, family, financial planners, friends. You know, you know where was the girlfriend saying, why are we going out at 3 o'clock in the morning? Why are you speeding? You know, there's, there's a number of situations where this tragedy could have been averted. NFL agent uh, Peter Schaefer. Peter, you said something there that um, that made me think about a question for you real quickly. Um, you said, you know, do I live in Denver or do I live in California? Well, ironically enough, that was a decision that was made for uh, Von Miller this past week with, uh, you know, going from Denver to California. And my question to you is, from your, your perspective, your um, kind of looking through Peter Schaefer's eyes as an NFL agent and the experience that you have, um, can you explain? you know, kind of talk the fans through what does something, what goes into, um, something like that, you know, that, you know, behind the scenes, you're the agent for the player, um, the conversations that go on, not only between the organizations and the agents and, but between you and the players, can you kind of help us understand a little bit about that? Give us some insight. Well, first of all, you know, I think the interesting about football is that there's not as many trades and, you know, basketball, hockey, and uh, baseball. And it starts because we don't have a minor league system. With a minor league system, there are a lot, it's the, the, the ability to trade becomes uh, easier because, you know, usually what in baseball, you know, if, if Roman, you have three center fielders and I have three shortstops and they all three can't play because I've got one stacked in AAA and one double A, um, you know, but I need a shortstop and, you know, we could, you know, trade them out. It's horse trading, and we're not looking to take advantage of each other because we don't got to do business with each other again. Mm-hmm. In football, with no minor league system and draft choices being such a premium, you really don't have as m- many trades going down. And so, when the trade winds start to blow, you know, the first thing you ha- you have to understand is most of the time in football, if a team's going to trade a player, it's because they're either moved on from the player or they have a depth at that position. And so, therefore, you should be concerned about, well, is my player, you know, how's my player's career trajectory looking? And then, you know, obviously when it happens, you just want to make sure everything is positive. Uh, you certainly want to try to go to a good franchise as opposed to a, a, a bad one because you're probably going to be renegotiating the deal and you want longevity for your player. So, okay. So, well, thanks, for, thanks Peter, for clarifying that. But... <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. This is that wasn't circus. me, right? No, 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 that's not you. That, that's our. That, if it was you, it was a little bit more important, right? <laughs> 
So, uh, so understanding that, so that fundamentally NFL is, is different than basketball, than MLB and, and things like that. But, you know, when it comes down to the trade, like let's use this past week as an example with Vaughn Miller, um, you know, what, what goes on? What does that conversation kind of sound like, you know, with Vaughn and, 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 and his agent and the team, um, you know, when you, when do those conversations start? Because this didn't just happen on Tuesday. You know, this had to have three or four days, five days, six days in the making. Um, and, and I'm only using that as an example, Peter, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just curious well, as to kind of, how does that, that work? Every, every player and agent have a different relationship. Some, Agents have more insight than others. Some players, agents have more better relationships. They get information. Some agents are just as caught off guard as the player when the deal goes down. So there's really no normalcy or no uh, yeah. set pattern. A lot of times you get, a, you know, some agents get a call and hey, well, we just traded your guy. I'm like, wow, really? Um, other times the agent is integrally involved in the trade process to try to you know, grease both slot sides because, you know, maybe one team wants a two and the other team's offering a four and you do want the player to get traded. So um, you, you, you push, why don't we try to do a three? You know, th there was a time that, you know, the Broncos were trying to get Joe Thomas and, you know, they sort of joke, well, you know, why doesn't Joe go in to the Browns, you know, general manager and say, I want out of here. This, this team sucks. I want to leave. And I'm like, well, that's not how we do business. Right. You know, and of course, I mean, whether they were joking tongue in cheek, it's just not how we do business. If the trade didn't go down, then it puts you in an awkward situation. And it's just not the per type of person Joe is or I am to facilitate a trade using, you know, negativity. So there's a lot of things that you can do to sort of grease your skin sometimes if you want the player to be traded. Not, a, not It's not always the best thing. I mean, I, you know, for example, I was integrally involved in the Jerome Bettis trade. And we did want him to get traded because the Rams at the time, and this goes way back, but the Rams at the time were moving away from the run and they were going to go to more of a passing attack. And we thought moving him to Pittsburgh might have a positive impact on his career. And it turns out it, it, it did because he went to the Hall of Fame. But, you know, we were involved in that and trying to make sure that the sides, the, the momentum kept going. You know, that Love type that. of deal. So that uh, let me circle back a little bit, Peter, when, you know, we were talking about, you know, what type and you said it takes a team. I, I know you were saying the involvement of, you know, coaches, managers and everything to provide the best type of guidance for, you know, these athletes. I still feel it, it's not just the agent. I remember you saying that, but I still feel that it is the agent who is the voice that they would listen to primarily. And I think you have an important role, obviously, with your years and success in doing so. So is it, you know. You get those strange phone calls. You get those things where they are they are listening to you and they're wanting to know what you would do and how to handle it for them. Yeah, well, it's a little different now, though, too. I think though, because you know, back in in that in those days in the '90s and the early 2000s, social media wasn't what it is. Right. Um, a lot of players didn't have cell phones. Now there's a lot of people in players' ears, and it's not just. The agent. I mean, shoot, you, you, you know, to use a Don Quixote reference, the windmills all over the place. So if you have that type of relationship with your player, that you know, even though there's a lot of people texting them and social media and DMing them, that they know that who they should trust and listen to, then then you're in a good position. But there's also situations where there's a lot of other people and some people with you know interests uh, that are juxtaposed to the player, juxtaposed to the agent. 
but when you do have a good relationship, you have a better chance for the player to listen to you and, and make sure that you can make the decisions that are best for his career. It's like they made an entire HBO series about that. <laughs> He's not a fan of that. Don't bring that up. Peter, Peter Schaefer, what? NFL agent. Peter, quick question. What, what Entourage. I, I love Entourage. Is that what you were saying? Entourage is awesome. Yeah, we love Entourage. <laughs> love that. That's what you, that was your reference there. Oh, my that God. That was my I, reference. Yeah, Jeremy Piven. We got uh, uh, the Aquaman I'm, movie. Yes. Yeah, I'm thinking that I'm hearing that they're actually going to resurrect it. Oh, that would be great. Yep. Not just the movie, but the show. Oh, I'd love yeah. it. That, that was such a great show. Oh, it's the best. Yeah, I do like what they did with Sopranos. Do like a like a precursor. Yeah, but let's to... make it better because you just <laughs> yeah yeah. Hey, Peter, quick question. Hey, what is your favorite um, memory from draft day? Like, I feel like that's such a like just such a huge day for so many. And at the same time, you know, you, you can have a draft day that might not be. Uh, you know, you got a player sliding um, who who you know you guys have. Uh, have thought that, you know, we're projected to go a little bit higher, but talk about your favorite draft day memory. And, and if you can share, you know, share the player. Well, I mean, they're, they're, you know, I've been very blessed to have a, a long career. So there, there are a number of them, but one that comes to mind pretty quickly is uh, Joe Thomas. And who got drafted uh, in 2007. And about a month before the draft, we get a call from the commissioner's office saying that they wanted to invite him to New York and to be, you know, in the green room, and they thought it would be good for me to be there, you know, because I get all this uh, PR and stuff. And so I called Joe, and I said, Joe, what do you want to do? And he says, what do you want to do? I said, I don't want to go. He said, neither do I. Wanna, uh, you know, I go fishing with my dad every draft, so I'm, I'm going to go fishing with my dad. So I called the, the league back, and he says, he's not going, he's going fishing. So then, you know, three or four more calls, and everybody says, you know, no one's ever turned down the commissioner, what are we doing? And I said, look, you know, I guess you'll never be able to use that sentence again because he's not going. (laughs) So he wound up, I stayed in my office, and he wound up going fishing with his dad. And they were on a boat and, uh, you know, middle of Lake Michigan because he's from Wisconsin and made sure that that the cell service, they they were always within cell range. And then I always remember um, that I had... I had really good information that, that you know, Mel Kuyper was saying that the Browns were going to take Brady Quinn, and I knew that they were going to take Joe. And because we were in New York, there were no cameras on us, so nobody can see that we were on the phone. Normally, what happens in the green room is once the phone rings, everybody knows who's going because, you know, someone's on the phone and someone's not on right. the phone. So, so the, all they had, the video they had was of Brady Quinn, and he wasn't on the phone, but I was on the phone with the Browns for the whole time. So we knew they were taking Joe. And, of course, you know, there's always the lag of the 15 minutes so that, you know, they can talk about the last pick, the second pick, which is Calvin Johnson. And, of course, who's going to go now? And, of course, you had to sell some TV commercials in between. And I, I always remember when uh, Mel Kuyper was sitting there saying, you know, here come the – here come the Browns, and they're going to take Brady Quinn. And so Brady's smiling, even though he must have been thinking, if they were going to take me, someone would have called me. And I always would have called saying, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always remember when the uh, commissioner got up on the podium and said, and the Browns take, and I said, Brady Quinn, you like apples? And they go, Joe Thomas. Hey. I said, how do you like them <laughs> apples, Brady? <laughs> 
I just watched that movie the other night, by the way. Yeah, a little yeah. Goodwill Hunting reference yes. there. Peter Schaefer, Peter, thank you so much for joining us, giving us a little bit of insight into, uh, you know, you, you get a lot of insight into the players, to the, the the franchises, the organizations, but not too much on your side of it, the business side, the agents, and and really looking out for, um, you know, your uh your customers, your 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 uh, players. Clients. So we pre- your clients, yeah. So we appreciate that. Uh, sorry, I'm in sales and and I refer to them as customers, and that was the first <laughs> thing that popped in my head, Peter. So well, I hope I I hope I set some type of record for references to classic rock music, TV shows, yeah. and movies in, in one interview. Absolutely, it's a record that you set, Peter, and you will own, and we will try to break that. Um, hopefully, uh, actually, I hope it never gets broken. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah that's so, your record to hold, uh, Peter. Thank you. Unless I break it. That's right. <laughs> All go. right. Well, we appreciate you as much. Go listen to some Pearl Jam 10. Uh, maybe Nirvana. Never mind. We'll be good with that, too. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, we appreciate you. Look forward to having you back on, Peter. You bet. Have a nice evening. Appreciate you all having you, me. You too. Thank you, Peter. Thank, Thank you, Peter. Good interview. I like the Joe Thomas story because I remember that with Brady Quinn, actually. And it was I was going to set that up. I, I was going to set that up, actually, with uh, a fishing. story like Brady Quinn, where he's one of the guys that who slid and slid and slid. Um, but I wanted to set up in a positive way, so I didn't say that. <laughs> but it's funny that he actually told the Joe Thomas story, which was right there. Uh, it is a fan cave. When we come back to Oakland, where we have uh, Lindsay Bebo. It's going to be Bo. Bebo time. time. She's going to be joining us. Her piece on... The Kush, Kush and Barry. So don't go anywhere right here. It's Fan Cave, Mile High Sports. Dot com. Not to some of that has never shown it on me.